Hey there, welcome to the GT Youth Podcast. We are so excited that you're stopping by to hear this week's message. If there is any way we can care for you, reach out to us on Instagram at GT Youth. Feel free to take notes and share this with a friend. We hope this message encourages you and builds you up. Hey, y'all, we are diving into, this is a little sad, it's the last week of Back to the Basics. Everybody say, aww, it's the last week of Back to the Basics. Um, but I hope you've enjoyed it so far. Week one, we talked a little bit about uh, the main character of all this thing called Christianity. What is the purpose of praying, reading the Bible, fasting, doing all these things? The sole purpose of all that is to know God. Everybody say, know God. It's the main idea. That's uh, week one. Week two, we talked about reading the Bible a little bit. And on week two, we announced something so special, uh, which, by the way, tonight is the last night for you to place in your pre-order amounts uh, for life journals. Can you wave your hand if you have a life journal or you put your money in or you signed up already? Go ahead. It's literally about like 30% of us. I love it. Here's my goal, right? Here's my goal. My goal is for GT Youth, uh, about 50% of us, to go ahead and have life journals uh, uh, here's here's kind of the idea behind it. What would it look like here in Okoe if every morning every single one of us was reading the exact same verse at the exact same time? So here's what we're going to do. We're planning to all of us buy life journals. It's $7. Well, it's $7 for you. It's a little bit more expensive for me, but we're going to go ahead. $7 for you. Pay $7. You're going to get a life journal either next week or the Sunday after based on whenever you show up. And then what we're going to do is every single day, we're going to dive into the Bible together. And all 60 to 75 of us are going to be reading the same verses every day. We're going to walk into our schools with the same word on our heart, the same God speaking the same verses to us. Uh, and I really do believe it's going to change our lives. When you're not reading the Bible alone, but you're reading it with other people. Come on, tell the person next to you, I'm excited to read the Bible with you. I'm excited, I'm excited. I can't wait to read it with you. I can't wait to read it with you. So go ahead. How much is it? It's seven buckaroos. Go ahead, $7. So if you have already signed up but you haven't paid, please go to Annalisa. Look at her. She's she's waving right by our connections corner, our, our the hub, the better together spot, whatever you want to call it, the grass wall, uh, the... There's a towel paper there, uh, you know, there's every, the offering boxes in the corner. That's the corner where everything happens. If you want to get signed up, if you want to get your payments in, uh, you should be doing this. All our interns already got one, so you kind of got one for free. Lucky to you, uh, all our summer interns. Um, but anybody else, man, we would love for you to jump in on this with us. It's going to change your life. It'll bless you. Hey, uh, Tori, can you hold this for me? This is mine. It's not a free giveaway that you're getting. You already have one. Um, everybody's just really catching. All right, here we go. I'm just going to throw my iPad my phone. Uh, but we're going to get into the last week of today's where Before we do so, I'm really, really excited for this. Um, this last Sunday at our church, we had about seven to eight people get baptized. And some of them are in this room. Can we just celebrate all those that got baptized? Come on. They made a decision. They made a decision let, to let the world know I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. Come on, somebody. You, you can't manipulate me as easy as you used to. I ain't going to hang out with you like I used to. I'm a little different now. I'm cut from a different cloth with an F at the end, not a TH cloth, but a cloth. I'm cut from a different cloth, and, uh, and I, I ain't as easily tricked as I used to be. I belong to Jesus. So uh, shout out to everybody who got baptized. I want to let you know that is a ginormous step in your faith. And so every single individual in this room, I just want to let you know I'm proud of you as your pastor. Uh, this is literally just the beginning of a great adventure following Jesus. Because if following Jesus is not an adventure, you are following the wrong Jesus. And so uh, you jumped into the adventure. You said yes, and I'm really proud of you. Uh, 
Uh, and if you haven't gotten baptized, shame off of you. Don't worry about it. But we do want you to know uh, we are looking forward to you being public about your faith and sharing with the world uh, outside what God has done on the inside. Can I get a big amen? Come on, somebody. Join with me there. Cool. Awesome. Hey, for this last week, we are diving into a conversation on worship. Everybody say worship. Worship, worship, worship. We're diving into a conversation on worship. Uh, I'm going to read something that maybe you're not used to uh, in the Old Testament. It's found in the book of Ezra, so you can go ahead and write that down. Ezra chapter 3 is what we're diving into. I'm going to read a verse, we're going to pray, and then we're going to go ahead and dive into a fun conversation today on worship. Can you say, I'm ready, if you are ready? ready. All right. I am not ready, so let's do this. Ezra chapter 3, verse 10 through 13 says, When the builders completed the foundation, everybody say foundation. Foundation. If you got your Bible with you, you want to underline that word. That's a pretty important word for today's sermon. Uh, The foundation, uh, they completed the foundation of the Lord's temple. This is what happens. The Bible says, the priests put on their robes. It's not like a bathrobe. It's not like, you know, it's not like the one that shows all their chest hair and it's like they got the string and they tie it. It's like not that kind of robe. Uh, don't think too far that way. It's more like a priestly kind of robe. It, it looks more like a like an overall type style thing. It's just kind of just kind of flows over. Uh, it got little buttons. You can kind of button them up, right? They put on their robes. And they took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, the descendants of Asaph, they clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord. Just a bunch of jets just hitting cymbals all the the whole time, right? They clashed their cymbals to praise to the Lord just as King David had prescribed. Verse 11, with praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. And this was the song. He is so good. His faithful love endures forever. Can I get an amen for that song? Come on, that's a good old worship song right there, right? Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because, underline this again, they praised the Lord because the foundation, everybody say foundation, the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple, they wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, turn to the person and say, hey, that's you, that's you right here, the others, The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. Let me pray with you, my friends. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Lord, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to dive into a conversation on the basics of our faith. Lord, I just believe ultimately that today you're just going to level up some people in worship. God, I believe that right now there are people who operate in a gift of worship, and today you're just going to stretch their heart. You're going to stretch their mind. You're going to build their character. Lord, I believe there are people in this room who have never operated in their gift of worship. God, they've, they've never sang out loud. They've never raised their hands during worship here at GT Youth. And today, God, I really just believe that you're going to give them boldness, courage, and faith to be able to lift their hands for the first time today, God. I believe there are people that walk into this room and all they can think about is what are people going to say when I worship for real? They're afraid. They're discouraged. They're, they, they, they feel like they're going to get judged for raising their hands or jumping up during the song, God. But I pray that today you would simply just remove that burden from them and you would, tro- you would show us what true and proper worship is. If you're in this room, I want you to repeat after me. Say, Jesus, speak to me. I'm listening. And everybody says... Amen. Amen. Hey, I know some of you are not near to the season of your life. Um, some of you really are around the corner, uh, and some of you have recently stepped into it. But I want to talk to you a little bit about this uh, fancy phrase that uh, people my age love to call adulting. Anybody ever heard of adulting, right? You know what? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Adulting is this idea uh, that you can't just wake up the next day and and like 
poop your pants and cry, and then your mommy cleans you, right? That's just kind of what it, like, the time is done for your mom to clean you, and really, the time is done for you to stop pooping on your pants. Like, you know, you're at that age, right? And I'm at that age now. I got a little, uh, I got a dad bod. It's growing in, and I don't enjoy it. It's not my favorite thing in the world. Uh, my knees, they start making noises now. They're like, clack, they're click clacking, right? Uh, when I wake up, I have to like crack my bodies 20 million different ways. Some of you are like, Pastor Dennis, I'm 12 and I do that now. Girl, you got a long life ahead of you if that's you right now. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm praying for you. Uh, but, but I'm in this season now where, where I, I've, I am like full throttle. I'm in it. I am an adult. I'm talking about having kids. Uh, I'm, I'm saving for retirement. Like it's just a weird life I'm living, right? Like three months ago, I was like, I, I, was, I had a binky in my mouth and like my mom was feeding me baby food, right? Not three months ago. Not literally. Guys, chill. Some of you are like, wait, that happened when you were, uh, no, it's a metaphor, it's a metaphor, right? I, now I'm like, mama, don't feed me no more. I don't even like baby food. I don't know why you feed babies that. It's the worst food in the world, but that's not about my sermon today. It's something else. Um, I'll, I'll talk to our president about our baby feeding systems here in America. But, but the struggle, like, there are things that you learn as you're growing up. And let me just be honest, there are some things you learn by just falling flat on your face as an adult, right? Like there, there's just some things where it's just, it's just bad, right? Let me just say one of these things, cooking. And all my older siblings in the room, you don't care what I just say because you got it down pack. Like your mom makes you cook for the family sometimes depending on how, how, like how far up the oldest you are. Some of y'all are like, Pastor Dennis, I cook for way too many. I, I should be a chef by how many members of my family I'm cooking for. But, but for most of us, we probably don't cook in our households either because you're too young or because you're not the oldest and you're like PD, uh, you are the youngest in the house. Any, anybody the youngest in the household, come on, you've never cooked a day in your life. You don't even know what ham and cheese looks like. You just know what it tastes like because it's just it's covered up by bread the whole time, right? You don't know what mac and cheese looks like. You just eat it. They serve it to you when you're looking at the TV and you just go straight to eating it. You never look down at your plate, right? You just eat whatever they give to you, right? So you don't cook. You're like me. You just you kind of figure it out. And I remember growing up when I moved out, Actually, not even that. Like, when I got engaged, for some reason, just, you're not there yet. But when you get engaged, your parents get this sense of freedom. They, like, will leave you anywhere. Some of you are like, Petey, that was, like, me last night. My parents just, like, they bounce. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's like, it gets even worse when you get engaged. Right? My mom would always leave me home alone. But whenever I got engaged, like, when I proposed to my wife, I remember literally the week right after, my mom calls me. She's like, hey, uh, by the way, me and your dad, we're heading to Hawaii for a week, and uh, you'll just kind of be on your own. There's a little bit of food in the fridge. I opened up the fridge. There was like three eggs, half a carton of milk. Like it was just, there was like nothing. And she's like, hey, we'll be back next week. Just, you, you got it. Like you're engaged now. I'm like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm engaged. I'm not married. Ma. I, I still don't know how to do a lot of stuff. Uh, and I live under your house. She's like, don't worry. Uh, it's your, your house for the weekend. Uh, just don't throw a party. And I'm like, I can't. There's no food for the party, even if I tried to throw one. So, um, so I remember I, I basically starved. Uh, I had uh, ramen cups for a week, and it was just a bad experience. But when I really moved out, I actually started, like, cooking a little bit and, like, figure, like, I realized real quickly once I had to pay for my own food that there is food at home, my friends. Like, there is. Like, it's, I ain't, ain't going to spend my money like that. There's food at home. I got it. So I went home. I cooked some food. And quickly, this is, this is like, the main idea. Quickly, I realized how easy it is for things to look cooked until I bite on them. <laughs> And I would, like, I would make burgers, like, these are real simple, I would make burgers, or I would make, like, tacos, like, I'd cook the beef, right, and, and I would bite into the burger only to realize that the cow was still alive. Like, it was just, like, it was mooing as I was, like, biting into the burger. It was, like, it was so undercooked, it was, it, it was disgusting, it was horrible. 
there's, there's times where I'd eat ground beef, right, and I'm like, I'm cooking there, whatever, or I'd, I'd put something in the microwave, and I'm eating like, I'm, I'm starting to eat it, and it's like hot, and you're like, you would, when you're eating and it's hot, and it's like, <laughs> like you just like, you're breathing in and out like really fast, but you're still trying to eat it. I'm doing that, but then I would scoop under of where I just scooped, and it was cold as a rock. Like, it was just like, it was cold and nasty. I thought I was going to get salmonella, or like my tongue was going to fall off. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. I thought I was going to get food poisoning. If you don't know what that is, I thought I was going to get diarrhea. Everybody knows what that is. Like, I was just like, I, I just felt like, man, whatever I'm eating is just going to make me so, so sick. And I, I quickly learned um, that there are some things in my life, please listen to me, that I can't eat <laughs> until I cook it fully. Um, and I think there's a lot of moments that we have in worship, and, and our struggle is that we are trying to devour this experience we've seen other people had, but the ingredients we have are not fully cooked. I think there are some people that you look around in the room and you're like, man, he's having a great worship experience. Like, he's, he's jumping up and down. I, I don't even jump for PE class or hope, whatever y'all like. I don't. I haven't jumped for, like for years, right? And he's jumping up during a worship song, like about this God that I've never seen before. And the reason why some of us we have different experiences in worship is because some of us our food is fully cooked. The others kind of just heated it up last minute. It's so weird to me, and I'll just be honest. It's so weird to me how we can be in the same room, listening to the same song singing the same lyrics about the same God, but having two separate experiences. So weird to me how the girl in the front will be on her knees crying and weeping to God, experiencing healing, but the boy in the back will just be looking around while things are happening. So wild to me that over here in this corner, we can have a, a brother praying over a brother for deliverance and healing and unforgiveness. And, and God, would you help him? Because there are things happening in his life. And, and he really feels like these are burdens lifted off his shoulders. But two steps ahead, there would be this kid in the front who's kind of just like, I wonder when this song's going to be over. <laughs> when are they going to play uh, Drake here at, for worship? Do we do, we do that? <laughs> I don't, I can't. I have so many references I want to say right now, but I, I'll hold my tongue. It's so weird. Like, we could be in the same room, the AC at the same temperature, but somebody feels wind moving in the room and in their heart and in their soul. It feels like it just got warmer, and it feels like there's something changing, and, and the temperature's the same, but the other person is like, man, it's so cold in here. Like, I, I just can't wait to sit down. And, and it's wild to me that someone could have an entire life-changing moment while the next person is waiting for their life to change. It's the same God, it's the same song, it's the same worship moment, but I really do believe that the difference between the two is that one person has all their ingredients cooked together to make a meal that we call an experience with God, and the other person has just a couple of peas and carrots and some uncooked steak. I kind of say, like, I think some of us, we come to worship and we're kind of just like, hey God, can you feed me? <laughs> and some of us, we're kind of just like, hey God, I just... Whenever you want to throw something my way, like I'll, like I'll eat it. But then I think there are other individuals in this world that they say, hey, God, I, I actually brought a plate this time. Would you place something in my heart? Would, would you play? My family is broken, God, but I actually brought them this time. Would, would, would you fill something on this place? Some of us are asking for, for God to just throw food on the floor, and God's not going to waste something good, so he'll never just throw worship on you. But some of us are saying, God, when I come to a moment of worship, I, I actually want to go to you and have a vessel that you can place something on. And I think many of us struggle because we don't know how to properly worship. I guess I, 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 I would say this plate is your posture. If I could say it that way. 
and how you posture your heart. And I don't mean posture like, like you're doing yoga, like this is my posture. <laughs> this is my posture. <laughs> like when, when I'm talking about your posture in a form of worship, what I mean is how available you are to God. I, I, I guess I, I think that the best way I could say this is that your posture is your attitude towards worship. I think this is real simple. That's, a, that's the simplest way I can describe it. This play is your posture, and your posture is your perspective of what God can do when you step into a moment of worship. And some of us got a real crappy perspective of God, so we give a real crappy worship. And some of us, I can, I can just tell, you have a genuine perspective of who God really is, and your, genuine, your, your worship is the most genuine thing I've ever seen. Some of you, sometimes I look around the room, and I'm like, man, that girl really knows God. And I look around the room, and I be like, oh, he has no idea who's in the room with him. He has no idea that the king of kings, he has no idea that the one who could change her entire life right now is literally standing right in front of her because the way you view God will determine how you worship God. And sometimes we just got to go to worship and say, God, I want food, but I brought a plate this time. I actually brought something for you to place some food, some blessings, some miracles, some help, some peace on. Some of us are asking God for things, but you got no space to hold it. And we need to come into worship with the proper posture of worship. Um, I guess I could kind of write it this way based on what we read earlier, is that an altar must be built before worship can be brought. An altar has to be built before worship can, can be brought. And we read this story about the people of Israel, and they're building the foundations of the temple of God, and they step into this moment, and, and they decide to build this altar. And when the foundation is complete, they, they worship God, they sacrifice God, but they could never sacrifice to God until they built an altar. I love uh, Ezra chapter 3, verse 3. We're going to kind of jump to it here. Uh, if you could underline verse 3 all the way to verse 5, I, I think it's just a beautiful verse. Here it says in Ezra chapter 3, it says, uh, Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. I just, let's just take a pause here. I, I just love, because some of us, we're afraid of the people around us, so we don't worship. I love that they were still afraid of the people around them, but they still worship. Like some of us are waiting for fear and feelings to get better before we can worship all out. But they said, I'm just going to worship even though I got these feelings. And you probably ask yourself, well, how could they do that? How could they get past their feeling? I want to read the next two verses, and I think it's going to help us out. It says, then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. Everybody say morning. Everybody say evening. They sacrificed to the Lord each morning and evening. Then this says, they celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed in the law, sacrificing the, the, the number of burnt offerings specified for each day of the festival. Here's verse 5. I love this here. It says, they also offered the regular burnt offerings and the offerings required for the new moon celebrations and the annual festivals as prescribed to the Lord. You know what that means in, in PD translation? They sacrifice all the time. <laughs> That's just what it means. All these, they, anytime they could, any opportunity. It was a new moon, it was an old moon, it was a new sun, it was an old sun. Whatever that means, it don't matter. It, we were sacrificing when we were told, and we were sacrificing when we, when we were able to. And then it says, people also gave voluntary offerings to the Lord. When I have to, I'm going to give. And even when I don't have to, if I can, I'm still going to give. And they, were, they had this, this idea, and I want you to understand, they were eager to sacrifice to God. Now, you're probably like, Pastor Dennis, are you going to tell us that we have to kill animals from here on out and sacrifice as often as we can? No, what I'm here to help you understand, please throw that up on the screen, is that worship equals sacrifice. 
and they sacrificed as often as they could. Like, let me just let you know, GT Youth didn't have service on a Thursday. They still sacrificed. <laughs> there was no band that day because everybody got saved. They got, they got the stomach bug or whatever. They ate PD's uncooked food. Like, whatever happened, they, they, he made mac and cheese for them, and it got salmonella. The whole worship team can't make it. They still sacrificed. The lights go off, the power goes out, we can't meet in this building, they still sacrifice. When things go good, they sacrifice. When things go bad, they sacrifice. And I need you to understand this, that for our context, worship equals sacrifice. I'm going to double down on this, and I want you to listen to this. That in the old times of the Bible, it was very rare for a moment of worship to not equal sacrifice. In other words, for those that may not get me yet, every time I worship God, I lost something. I'm going to go home after that because that hurt me. Like every time I, I step into a moment of worship, it means that I would leave that moment of worship with something less than what I came in with. Whether it be a friend, whether it be an opportunity, whether it be an addiction, it could be good things or bad things. And here's the crazy thing about the times of the Bible is when they sacrificed to God, they never brought their worst. They always brought their best. Their favorite animal, that's the one they would sacrifice. The healthiest animal, that's the one. The one that they could make the most money off of, that's what they sacrifice. And so many of us, we step into moments of worship thinking, what am I going to get out of this moment? But the people of Israel, they step into a moment of worship. I need somebody to help me preach this. They step into a moment of worship and they said, what am I going to give to God in this moment? Like, no wonder you don't get a miracle. You, you're so focused on getting, 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 getting. No wonder you don't feel nothing because you just want, want, want. And people who step into worship as true worshipers don't focus on getting. They only care about giving to God. Not only that, but they give their best, not just the rest. Oh, that's why you can't feel God. You don't care about God. You just care about feeling him. I get it. It's pretty simple. You thought you could steal from God in worship. But worship is all about giving to God. They were eager to sacrifice. I don't want to say this, God, but I'm going to have to say this. I want to talk to you to some older Christians in the room. Maybe you've been doing this for a little bit longer. I think there are some people that step into the altar, and they are singing at the altar, but they're not sacrificing at the altar. I just, let, let me just zoom into it to a, to, a, to a niche group of people that, that are like me, right? Like we just, we're, we're all about just, if you don't believe in God, this may not apply to you, but, but there are like, we really do this God thing. We really love Jesus. And I think there's a lot of people, they've built an altar well, they've postured their heart well, but all they've done around the altar of their heart is sing to God, never surrender to God. I can tell because the longer you've been a Christian, the, uh, the meaner you get. <laughs> You're just rude. Like for some reason, like the longer people are with you, they just, the less they can stand you. Not only is your patient being worth thin with people, but their patient is being worth thin with you. And they used to love you, but they just don't like you no more. For, for some reason, it feels like we're losing influence, and it's just escaping us. Like, what's, what's going on? I've, I've had seasons in my life where I'm like, man, why don't people listen to me anymore? And I have to quickly realize, oh, I stopped listening to people. When I say do this, why don't they do this no more? Oh, I stopped saying that I'm with them in the middle of whatever I'm asking them to do. And I've quickly realized how many times I go around the altar up here and I'm simply singing a song, but I'm not surrendering to God. And what's the point of you bringing a plate if you're going to just throw everything God places on it anyways? I, I always read this story and, and, I, and I get thrown off. And I, I want you to kind of lean into this. I really think this is going to help you out. This might be 
probably the, the, the best thing I could ever teach you about worship, and, and we're going to dive into it. I, I hope you're taking notes. I didn't ask you if you were, but I hope you are taking notes because this is going to help you out. Please write this down. I think your struggle with worship is because you have an unbuilt altar. Some of y'all got a beautiful altar. You just sing around it. You don't, you don't really surrender. Like, you don't use it for what it's actually. Like, some of y'all, your heart is so sweet, but it's got too many hidden motives, and you just sing, but you don't surrender. Some of us, I just, get, I don't know if Pastor Dennis could be honest. I don't want to start no gossip in the room, but I, I think most of us, y'all, we just have an unbuilt altar. You don't worship not because you're afraid to worship. You don't worship because you don't have a space to worship. Like there, you're in a room where worship happens, but you yourself don't have a space in your heart to worship. How do I know this? Because when an opportunity of worship is presented to you, you don't take it. It's not because worship ain't happening. It's there. It's in the room. Other people are having life-changing moments. Like people are getting prophetic words. People are, are receiving healing from their brokenness. But, but you quickly need to understand whether it's not, worship is not happening or you just don't want to step into it. And maybe you're saying, well, why can't I look at them with my friend? Understand, they've got a well-built altar. You have an unbuilt altar. I guess the best way to build an altar is by adjusting your attitude. And when I say attitude, I'm not talking like your mom or your dad. It's like, girl, you got an attitude. You need to cut that off. God could work with that. <laughs> Bring it to the altar. That's <laughs> not what I mean. What I mean is that when you step into a moment of worship, you feel like nothing can happen. When you step into a moment of worship, you feel like, oh, if I sing this song, it's just Christian karaoke. It's not a life-changing opportunity. And people with a built altar know when I give to God on this altar, anything can change. There are some things that you have to place on your altar. And today I kind of want to walk you through it because I think you might be missing one of these four things. The first thing I need you to understand, uh, with, uh, with an altar that you and I are called to build, we have to start with the fear of the Lord. Please write that down. If you, if you need to build a foundation for your altar, you need to start with the fear of the Lord. I think, I think this might be the best way I can help you understand a little bit. Fear of the Lord is not like this weird... Uh, it's not like this weird, I'm scared of God, and I hate him, and I don't ever want to see him. I think best way to explain fear of the Lord is it's not being afraid of God, but it's being afraid of life without God. I think that's just the simplest way. And the fear, If you really want to have a worship foundation to build an altar, you need to understand I can't live without God. Like worship really starts with understanding who you're worshiping. And fear of the Lord will help you learn quickly who God is because you don't want him absent from your life. And so when you're building a, a worship foundation, you have to start with the fear of the Lord. Now I'm going to put the fear of the Lord kind of facing this backside because um, fear of the Lord really gives you the direction of where you're going to start building your foundation. Some of us might place the fear of the Lord as an option, and it's like, oh, you kind of already started crooked. Like, you're going to place one this way. You're going to place the other one that way. But, like, fear of the Lord has to be center as you're building your foundation. So you got to place it kind of in, in, in the back burner. It's going to be facing the other way, right? So number one is fear of the Lord. Everybody say fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. Number two, I need, I need you to step into this one really, really big. Number two is going to be surrender. Surrender is the second pillar of our foundation today. And uh, without this... I don't think you'll ever actually be able to worship. Like, you can have the motivation to worship, but you'll, not, you'll never have a moment of worship unless you learn how to surrender. I need you to understand, please write this down, that when I worship, I look less like me and more like Jesus. 
I got to give something up in my attitude. I got to give something up in my own identity. I got to give something up in my will and my way. And within worship, I need to give up my will for God's. It's got to be a part of the foundation. If you don't have this, you will have an unsteady and a crooked foundation. So we're going to place it here on the right side. Hopefully I don't get a splinter doing this. I'm just trying to show you how to worship God. Please don't let me get a splinter. Next thing, I really enjoy this one. If you want to build a proper foundation of worship, and I can ask the worship team to come on up. Get it, worship team, come on up as I'm teaching about worship. Okay, anyways, you don't, you don't worry about it. I love this one. This was probably one of my favorites. You need expectation. Like you got to believe that God can actually be the God he says he is. If you've got the fear of the Lord and you are willing to surrender your will and your way, like this one comes naturally, my friend. Like when I know God is able and I know I'm willing, oh, anything can happen. Like a miracle can happen in that. When God is able to do something amazing and I'm willing to let him do something amazing through surrender, then literally anything can happen. Last week I shared a story about me being in a worship set and literally God changing my life and taking me away from suicidal thoughts because I was in a worship moment and people prayed over me. With the fear of the Lord and surrender, you have the most expectation of what God is is able to do. I don't think this room's got any expectation. It just sounds kind of low right now, but I got expectation. I got the fear of the Lord. I got surrender. I got expectation. This is a pillar of worship. And here's, here's probably my favorite one, my last one for today. You need the fear of the Lord. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. You need surrender. Everybody say surrender. It builds expectation. Everybody say expectation. And this one, oh my, you can't worship without this one. And here's my favorite thing about this one is that you believe that you are not supposed to worship with this one. Um, But there's a story in the Bible where a woman runs to Jesus and she begins to anoint his feet. And people are looking at like, they, she's, she is a prostitute and sells her body. And she goes into this house and she meets with Jesus and she puts oil on his feet, breaks an expensive perfume jar and wipes his feet with her hair. And the Bible says that she began to worship him with something so special. The Bible says that she began to worship with her brokenness. And this is like, this is the first thing we try to get out of worship. Like, I, I got to worship with the fear of the Lord, and, and I got to worship with surrender, and everything's got to go to perfect, and, and I got to worship with expectancy because God's big and he's good, but, but, but I've got to be perfect when I worship. And the Bible specifically says that she did not worship with the best of her. The Bible says she worshiped with the brokenness in her. And if you're ever going to step into a moment of worship, I need you to understand this, my friends. Please listen up. You have to worship with your brokenness have to, have to, have to. There there is no exception of brokenness in worship. When you were uh, an Israelite and they were rebuilding the temple, as they were building the foundations, their, their sole job was to make sure that they placed beams in a square so that they knew exactly where the foundation was going to go. But please listen to this. The beams were not the foundation. They were the border of the foundation. I love this so much. Bible says that the, the way that they would build these things is they would go and they would cut off ginormous heavy stones. Just ginormous limestones, marble if they were, if they were really building. And when they were building God's temple the second time, they were, they were trying to put as much effort. So they would build these ginormous stones. And what they would do is they would place these stones inside of the borders of the foundation. And the stones themselves became the foundation. I, I heard somebody tell me once, Pastor Dennis, sometimes you got to hit rock bottom to realize that God is the rock at the bottom. And, you, and you've got the fear of the Lord. 
You've got surrender. You've got expectation. And you've got brokenness. And, and you've got all these things. And, and they're in alignment. And this is my moment of worship. But it does not happen yet until you bring Jesus, the cornerstone, the real foundation. And in Jesus, surrender to something beautiful. In Jesus, expectation to something beautiful. In Jesus, the fear of the Lord changes how you live. And in Jesus, he brings brokenness into something beautiful. And my friends, with that in mind, you get a beautiful worship experience some of y'all got the fear of the lord but you don't got surrender you need to fix that maybe that's why worship don't hit no more i love what the bible says here ezra chapter 3 we read this already i'm going to read it again when the builders completed the foundation everybody say foundation of the lord's temple the priests put on their robes and they took their place to blow their trumpets the Levites, the descendants of Asaph, they, they clashed their symbols to praise the Lord just as King David had prescribed. And look, look what it says here, verse 11. With praise and thanks, they sang the song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout. Why did they do that? Look what it says. Praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. I'm reading this. I'm like, bro, these guys are idiots. <laughs> They got a whole building to build. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, y'all singing and dancing? Like, y'all just got the foundation done. We got a lot of work. Like, job's not finished, my friend. As I'm reading this story, I just felt like God hit me like a rock. No pun intended. Because this moment where they only had a foundation... They stopped every, knowing that there was an entire building to build with just the foundation. They stopped whatever they did. They put on their worship clothes. They, they, they made sure they were standing at the foundation of worship. And they began to praise God over and over. I really do believe they just understood this principle that if a foundation is all we have, please throw that up, then God has all that he needs. And if I don't got walls, I don't got a roof in my worship, but I've got a foundation in my worship. God has everything he needs to change my life. God has everything he needs to make my miracle my mess into a mirror. God has everything he needs to make everything right again. I may not have the windows and maybe my worship doesn't have the doors and maybe I don't sing like Addie and maybe I don't play like Jed and maybe I'm not good at sounding in worship. But if a foundation is all I got, God's got all he needs, y'all. And maybe you're saying, God, why aren't you moving in my life? I'm trying to put up a wall. I'm trying to put a roof on my head. God, I'm trying to make things happen. And God is saying, all you need to do, baby, is put a foundation down. Because if a foundation is all we got, y'all, this is some hope for y'all. If a foundation is all we got, God's got all he needs. I wish you can get this in your spirit. Lord, I pray right now over every single heart. God, I just pray that this word would build conviction over every soul. God, because some of us think that our worship is not good enough, God. And it's not about our worship being good enough. God, it's about you being good enough in the foundation of our worship. And maybe we're missing all the bells and whistles. But if we got a foundation, the fear of the Lord, surrender, expectation, and brokenness, God, you can do anything in the middle of our work.